Welcome back to the After Dark Podcast. This is episode two of the Serial Killer series. Today we are going to talk about a serial killer that murdered prostitutes and is referenced by several nicknames. He's also referenced as I-71 Killer or the Lyle Prostitute Killer. But today we are referencing this serial killer starting off as Dr. No. I know other crime podcasts, the Crime Junkie, several others have covered Dr. No, but we are going to cover him today. On April 24th, 1981, the first victim's body was discovered. At the time, she wasn't identified until 2018, but Marcia Kane was found dead. The autopsy revealed that she had died from strangulation before receiving a head injury. At the time of her discovery, she had no personal belongings or documents. She was nicknamed the buckskin girl because of her poncho that she was found in. The second victim was Marcia Matthews, 25-year-old female. She was found by a trucker one mile away from the Union 76 truck stop. She had died from a traumatic brain injury after a beating with a blunt object. Following after that, on July 20th, 1986, the body of 23-year-old prostitute Shirley Dean Taylor was discovered. She was also beaten and strangled to death. Before her disappearance, she was seen at Union 76, where, according to witness reports, she went to meet a regular client nicknamed Dr. No. As we can see right now, we have these victims being found right around the same area. We have these prostitutes being found dead. We have these prostitutes being found at or around a truck stop. People are suspecting that the killer is the truck driver. They just don't know who he is. They just know that he is nicknamed as Dr. No. She was found, though, with her underwear and shoes missing. In December 1986, another prostitute, April Barnett, was also missing from the Union 76 truck stop. She was found only a few days later, 70 miles from Austin Town. As the previous cases, she was beaten and strangled, and some of her clothes were missing as well. A few days after 28-year-old prostitute Jill Allen was found murdered in Illinois, near Interstate 70. Despite the fact that she had been found in another state, she was deemed a victim of the same killer due to the modest operandi um, statement type of deal. And if you want to learn more, we can probably talk about it later. Um, she was found to also have been beaten and 
strangled. She was found with strangulation marks on her neck. Her shoes brought underwear were never found. So like I said, we are seeing this common thing take place. It's they're beaten, they're strangulated, they're missing some clothes. Typically their underwear or undergarment. Um and they are found typically within a truck driving area except for this victim but the reason as I stated that this victim wasn't you know counted as a different case was because she was also found the same way she was beaten strangulated she lost all of her oxygen and her clothes were missing This is how you know that you have the same murder. At this point, you can start calling these killings serial killings. Serial killers often will have a cooldown period. So they typically murder and wait a while, maybe a week or so, then murder again and have another cooldown period. Helps them avoid from being caught. Definitely in the case of the Zodiac Killer or Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer. The next victim was Anne Marie Patterson, 27. She went missing on February 7th, 1987 from, once again, Union 76. At this time, you can start a guess, aside from these being prostitutes working from a truck stop, whoever is killing them has to be a trucker. But they, all they have is Dr. No. She was found 40 days later, 250 miles away from Austin Town near Cincinnati. A week before her disappearance, she was arrested by police. At the police station, she gave information about a murder suspect and described his car. During the investigation, law enforcement agencies discovered that Patterson had made an appointment via CB radio with a client nicknamed Dr. No. She characterized Dr. No as um, extremely negative and then disappeared. The CB radio is a really, really great way of getting that more information, even if it's just one object. You know, anybody could have pulled into that truck stop. Not everyone that pulls into a truck stop or a plaza is a truck driver. The CB radio start to give it away that the suspect is more likely a truck driver, a regular truck driver, that meets with prostitutes and kills them. He also seems to be in that general area. I'm not saying he lives in that area. I'm saying that every prostitute that has gone missing was from Union 76. 
The police and the media later coined the nickname What's the Conductor Know for the Unidentified Criminal. In Englewood, August 10th, 1987, another victim was found. The victim's jeans and underwear were at the ankles, while the upper parts of the clothing were missing. According to the nature of grass depressions, the tire tracks located at the scene, forensic experts determined that the killer threw the victim's corpse out of his car. The autopsy revealed that the victim was a young woman, 20 to 25, and she had died from strangulation. Despite the abundance of tattoos on her body, as well as jewelry, the offender had not been identified. Um, she has her pictures listed in the National Missing and Identified Person System. That was until she was identified as Paula Beverly Davis. Although she was included on the task force relating to the murders, additional theories exist suggesting a drug dealer's retaliation. An unknown woman last seen in her company or an unrelated serial killer. Um, so, when we have a drug cartel or a drug dealer doing these killings, I, I, I like to pull away from the idea of it's a serial killing because drug cartels are extremely violent. They're always going to, you know, do their thing when they need it. They're always going to collect what they need by force if nobody's giving it up. To say a drug cartel is committing the serial killings and acts as a serial killer, I, in my opinion, is completely biased due to the fact that no matter what it is, you're always going to find a body from a drug cartel somewhere, someone, even if it's not in their normal location. It's normal. On November 22nd, the body of 19-year-old LaMonica Cole was discovered at a truck stop in Pennsylvania. Despite the fact that the truck stop was located on another interstate, Cole was included as a potential victim because she had died from the strangulation. She was also from Ohio and some of her things had been recovered while others were not. LaMonica's pimp 24-year-old Derek Mims told police that the alleged killer with whom Cole left with on the day her disappearance was traveling in a blue semi-trailer truck with white stripes. March 29, 1988, 31-year-old Terry Rock was murdered in New York. Her body was found on one of the bridges passing through the Mohawk River. The medical examiner found that the woman died from the traumatic brain injury that occurred during a beating was a blunt object several hours before the discovery of her body. 
Some of her clothing, including underwear and shoes, were never found, leading investigators to include her in the list of the potential victims of Dr. Newell. Before we continue, if you like this podcast, you want to hear more, follow After Dark Podcast anywhere, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google. Hit that follow button and share. Moving forward now, um, Terry died from a traumatic brain injury. You know, it's similar to the other killings, just in a different state. That's why she was added. On April 19, 1990, another female's body was found near truck stop on the I-70. Most of her clothes were missing, however, her underwear remained. An autopsy concluded that she had died from a traumatic brain injury resulting from a beating and had sexual intercourse 12 to 24 hours before her death. With these conclusions, the investigators suggested that the victim was a prostitute and had fallen victim to the serial killer. Despite multiple attempts to identify her, she remained unidentified with the placeholder name Jane Doe II. Until her identification as Patrice Anita Corley in 2017. Now let's talk about the investigation. We talked about the nine victims that was found. Let's talk about what was found in the overall investigation. During the course of the investigation, the police interviewed hundreds of prostitutes, pimps, service station employees, and truck drivers in an attempt to find witnesses and identify the offender. According to the witnesses, the killer appeared to be a large, tall man with fair skin and dark hair between 25 and 40. He also wore glasses and talked with the accent matching that of somebody from the northeastern states. The vehicle he was driving was described as a 1984 silver truck with a wind blocker and a red hood. The Ohio State Police Department and volunteers from various civil society organizations posted over 4,000 photographs of the victims and an identikit of the offender at 130 truck stops and service stations across the state and 1,350 truck stops in nine other states through which interstate motorways where the serial killer would ride through offering $10,000 for information about him. Five people were detained who at different times were nicknamed once again as Dr. No. That's the only name that he was really known by. And so any suspect was obviously going to be called Dr. No. But no charges were filed against any of them. And their names were never disclosed to the public. Biological traces with the bodies were um, discovered that, according to the investigators, came from the perpetrator. To establish if the sperm had the same affiliation, a forensic examination was carried out, which gave mixed results. 
Due to the fact that all of the victims had engaged in prostitution during life, and authorities started questioning whether the deaths were actually related. Since no other incriminating evidence were found on the crime scene, such as fingerprints, hair samples, and police piece of clothing, the investigation hadn't established the killer's identity. Like I said, we will talk more about a possible suspect close. Okay. Now, we are going to talk about other suspects that weren't really suspects before we talk about the latest known suspect. In April 1991, a resident of Lake County, Ohio, a 36-year-old Elvin Wilson became a suspect. Wilson, who worked as a truck driver and owned two tractors, was among those whose hair samples matched those found on the on some of the victims. Credit card receipts and other evidence indicated his possible responsibility for the Ohio murders. In 1990, he was arrested on charges of assault and attempted murder of a woman in October 1989. After his arrest, the girl contacted police stating that in 1986, Wilson had picked her up in Akron after paying for her services and had beat and attempted to strangle her afterward. Wilson was tested for any involvement, but the results were inconclusive. The same year, a long-haul truck driver named John Faddenberry was arrested for several murders committed across four states. He was briefly considered a suspect in the killings, but was later ruled out as Amadeus Abrandi and victim profile were too different. In June 1994, another truck driver, 36-year-old from Ohio, James Robert Cruz Jr., was convicted in the March 1993 killing of a 17-year-old Don Marie Birnbaum in Censure County, Pennsylvania whose body was found along Interstate 80. The girl's body was discovered a few days after her death. Once again, since both of her clothes were missing, Cruz was considered a possible suspect. He was tested, but no charges were filed against him concerning the other murders. In 1995, 28-year-old Sean Patrick Goble, a trucker from North Carolina who admitted to killing two prostitutes in Tennessee in April of that year, was among the, the suspects of a murder of a North Carolina woman in early 1995. As a trucker, he traveled to several dozen states across the country whose cases of disappearance and murders of prostitutes along interstate highways were recorded. Following his arrest, he was investigated for murders in at least 10 different other states. Nevertheless, he was cleared of suspicion of being the elusive Dr. No, since at the first time of the murder in 1981, he was still in high school. And in the mid-1980s, when the majority of the killings took place, he was serving in the army and was stationed outside of Ohio. In November 2005, on the basis of DNA profiling, authorities arrested 46-year-old Delmas Colvin, a truck driver, who had killed five prostitutes in Toledo, 
COVID later admitted to killing at least two others in New Jersey, but denied any involvement in the doctrinal murders in the 80s. Now, they had the suspicion that the truck driver was a serial killer. They interviewed several, not just truck drivers, obviously they interviewed pimps and other prostitutes, drug dealers, that type of thing. But the main suspicion was a truck driver. As I stated earlier, it was quite obvious that the prostitutes were missing from a truck stop. That these prostitutes typically did work at truck stops. Definitely Union 76 were all of them pretty much were missing from. On top of that, some of these suspects were linked to other murders. Not directly linked though to Dr. Nose. They were linked to their own set. Except for at least one of them. Now, we are going to talk about the latest suspect. In two th- or 2019, a 49-year-old Samuel Lake was arrested in Arizona. Using DNA profiling, law enforcement agencies were able to prove his guilt in four murders in Ohio and Illinois, the first of which he had committed at the age of 20 in 1989. His initial arrest was due to a match for unsolved 19 97 rape of a minor in Medina County, Ohio, where he was extradited to stand trial. In the fall of 1990, he fell suspect to the murder of his stepdaughter, 14-year-old Angela Hicks in Delaria. But as there was not enough evidence, he was not charged. Let's continue talking about him though. I found several articles um, talking about him. The first one comes from Akron Beacon Journal. On Thursday morning, the 49-year-old former big rig driver stood before a Medina County judge on charges that he raped a 17-year-old girl near a truck stop outside of Seville 22 years ago. Keep in mind, this article is from 2019. However, later, about 70 miles, um, the county officials announced Lake's indictment for the murder of Sharon Len could disagree, who was found dead at an Austin town truck stop in 1992. Officials have said that the Lynx, who most recently lived in Chandler, which was Lakes, um, to other three homicides, two in Ohio and one in Illinois. So, it looks like he's still the suspect. It even said about in 2011... Um, her daughter submitted their own DNA to a database called the National Missing and Identified 
Persons Systems or NAMUs. Funded by the U.S. Justice Department, NAMUs allows the public and law enforcement to provide DNA samples to the database in an effort to identify missing persons and identified remains. There is no charge. Subsequently, um, at the same time, a coroner submitted the DNA separately and there was a match. So, we see this whole entire thing played out. You know, it's quite obvious that being a truck driver is a really, really easy way to pick someone up, even a hitchhiker, out in the rain, and murder them. In this case, some truck drivers murder prostitutes. Some murder random people. Some do whatever because they can't get away with it. They know that if they commit a murder, let's say in Nebraska, and then travel to California, murder another person, travel to New York, murder another person, the chances of them getting caught isn't that high depending on what they are doing, if they're being reckless. Like I said, serial killings can lead from a serial killer to be a itty bitty person to having a fire rage inside of them that grows and grows and grows to be a positive person. If we have serial killer that is murdering people with a machete, then that person may become more imperfect, meaning that the way that they cut is different because they're in a rush. Um, at the time they were excited so how they cut may have been different because their excitement was from the left side but they normally killed from the right side it it all depends on how the serial killer is actually acting on top of that serial killers that are truck drivers which is the new series that are is coming out this summer is all about truck drivers and cold cases. But truck drivers typically have that easy way of becoming a serial killer. Some are becoming more impulsive with the killings. Once again, it can lead to a mistake. Erratic killers are the ones that are more prone at the time to do something that they normally wouldn't do. They have the that rage, like I talked about. They have the fire burning inside of them. That they have to feed it. In order to feed it, they need to kill. If they don't feed it after a while because they're trying to suppress and stop themselves from killing, at the next killing, they will make a mistake, more likely. Like I said, if you're killing someone with a machete, you're going to do something a little bit off. You're cutting technique may not as be as perfect. You may have had trouble slicing through somebody's leg compared to the other times. So it all depends. 
Truck drivers are no different when it comes to serial killings. Yes, they have a lot more time to dispose of body. They have a lot more time and an easier time to get somebody to come into their semi. They have a lot more easier time of committing a crime in their semi and disposing the body outside of the semi. So it's easier for a truck driver to become a serial killer. Sometimes once again an erratic one or a less erratic one depending on what they are doing beforehand and how they kill them than it is with another serial killer. The next episode will be next Friday. I hope you guys stay tuned once again. If you like this podcast and this episode here, previous episode, go hit that follow button and stay tuned for weekly updates. More serial killers. See you next time on the After Dark Podcast.